Super Talk Mississippi media production. Taylor Swift is coming to New Orleans, and Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and Super Talk are giving away a free pair of tickets. For your chance to win, go register now at Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and get your name in for the final drawing from Margaritaville and Super Talk 103.1. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone. Meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river, moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. When I first moved to Music City and first attempted to co-write a song with some of Nashville's most prolific tunesmiths, I gotta tell you, I was like, what have I gotten myself into and what's this gonna be like? Because I'd already written, always written on my own. But man, I needed some serious tutoring. It was a chosen few that made me feel at ease right away. They took me in and truly mentored me with such graciousness. Today's guest was certainly one of them. He has an incredible story indeed. A man born to do only one thing, and that's write great songs. He's that good. We also had a lot of battles on the golf course that we'll probably get into, uh, but it helped us bring us together closer as pals. It really did. And some of the songs that he penned, such as Blake Shelton's Oh Red, Remember Coming Down a Dusty Dixie Road, Ring on Her Fingers, Time on Her Hands, and the touching Alabama song that has made such an impact on the lives of so many angels among us. That's among just a few of the great songs he's penned. He currently has a project with our veterans in mind and heart and soul that he helps spearhead. And we'll talk a great deal about that and more. Please welcome my buddy, the one and only Don Goodman. What's up, Don? <laughs> what do you say, Steve? How's my man doing? Ah, uh, doing good. Played golf with my wife today out in the cold, but it was... I thought about you when I was out there. I remember the day my wife and her girlfriend put me in your butt. <laughs> hey, you know, we had a bet that day, which I have yeah. still not paid on because I, for no, some reason. No, you haven't. And she, she told me to remind you that she hadn't got her steak dinner yet. <laughs> so, so for our listeners out there, we had a two-on-two grudge match. And Don's wife, Gail, and who was her partner? It was... Uh, Phyllis Austin. That's right. That's right. So they took us out and... Uh, and apparently, I, I've got such a selective memory when it comes to losing. Uh, apparently, we did lose, and we lost a stake at Longhorn, which ended up being my nickname by Gail, and it still is to this day. We both call each other Longhorn because I owe her, I owe her a big lunch. <laughs> I love we're talking to Don Goodman, the hits he has written. But just an amazing mind, and I, I want to talk about that, Don, because we, you know, I just... I, don't, I never took it for granted. I was always in awe to watch the words spill out of your mouth like they did and come from straight from your heart and your soul. And, and it was an amazing experience for me always. Uh, 
it was really amazing and you were my you were one of my very first and how good you were to me and uh just the memories of of that whole time in my life without without you it just wouldn't have worked out i had to have you i'd have aj and uh who we miss so much let's talk about your story before nashville where'd you grow up i grew up in detroit uh, my, my folks uh, were from tennessee but uh, there wasn't much money uh, in the South down there, you know, after the war and everything. I was born in 44, so, you know, I was a World War II baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, so well, mom and dad had this little farm out in the country, and dad was work- working at a little factory in, in town in Hornwall, Tennessee, and they were just barely surviving. So mom told him to get up to Detroit and get a job up there where Henry Ford was paying good money. So dad went up there and he got a job and uh, then mom loaded everything we own on a logging truck with my uncle Alf and we drove to Detroit and uh, boy you want to talk about culture shock. You go from a little tiny town in Hornwell, Tennessee to Detroit, Michigan. Holy cow. What a sight. That was a quite an experience. How old were you, Don? Young were you? I was uh, I was in first grade. I was just a baby. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, what was so weird up there, living in Detroit, it, it was all the people from all over the world had moved in there to make money. Detroit was, man, that was the best money-making place in the world, you know, for mm-hmm. uh, the working class. And uh, on our street was Hungarian, Polish, but mostly hillbillies, that's what they called us, you know. Mm-hmm. They had a joke up there. They said, uh uh, why do they have chains in heaven? And the joke was to keep the hillbillies from going home on the weekend. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they'd be lined up outside the factories up there, and, and when uh, the, the wives would be in the car and they'd be packed, and when the husbands would get their paychecks and come out the door, they'd worked all day, so the wives would drive, and they were headed for Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia. Oh, wow. They go home. They spend that weekend with Mama, and then they come back on Sunday night. Wow. Go back to work. It was amazing. Wow, what a amazing! So Motown as a kid, m- music. When does it start to enter your life? And is it Motown that does it? Or are you still nah, have ties? No, no, it was country music. Elvis Presley. My my brother was the biggest Hank Williams fan who ever lived, and I ever since I could walk or crawl I, I heard hank williams non-stop and then my sister she you know elvis hit right in her heyday as a teenager uh-huh. then i heard every elvis Presley song <laughs> a million times a day wow. and then uh you know i got into motown and then along came bob dylan who just absolutely stole my heart right and then the beatles and you take it you know I think when I came to Nashville, my three heroes would have been Roger Miller, Hank Williams, and Bob Dylan. That would have been my heroes. Well, they became your hero, or if they were around to be able to say it, because just, I got to understand when it started for you. When when did you start feeling like, you know what, uh, when did the word start pouring out? I mean, can you remember? I, yeah, I was just a kid, maybe, maybe uh, just starting junior high school, about seventh grade, and I would skip school 
and climb up and sit in our neighbor's, neighbor's apple tree all day, writing poems and short stories. And uh, oh, that's 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 all I did. Every minute I had a pencil in my hand. And then my uh, uh, one of my cousins taught me three chords on a guitar, and that was it, buddy. You still yeah, only know was. those three chords, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but I've made a lot of money. <laughs> yes, with them you have. <laughs> you sure have. You used to tell me, Steve, I don't know where you're going with that. And then AJ, obviously, we called him Easy Chord because he could find oh, places yeah. on the guitar that didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I just, you know, I'd play my three chords and I'd sit the guitar down and just let it, <laughs> Troy Seals or AJ, you know. Go cat, go, you know. When do you, okay, for, and, and let me back up for a second. You're a heck of an athlete. So you sitting there saying you're in an apple tree. Were there sports? It had to be uh, a little bit in your life growing up. Oh yeah, I, I I tried to play everything, but I was tall and skinny, and I, I was like my son. I was yeah. <laughs> I looked like I was running underwater, <laughs> but uh, you know I didn't have the the leg speed. But you know I I played. I I, I got to make the teams and didn't get in the game a lot, but I did make the teams because I just would not quit. Yeah. And I think that's the same with you. You got that competitive edge in your word. You just, just, you just can't tell me. No, no one could have ever told me I could not come to Nashville and be a songwriter. No, nah, no way. I'm going. No. You know what had happened for me, Steve? I went to see the movie "Your Cheating Heart" with George Hamilton III, where he played Hank Williams. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in there, and Red Buttons was his. Uh, was was uh, played the part of Fred Rose, and uh, Hank came into his office and he played him a song. And uh, Red Buttons uh, or Fred Rose, you know, said, uh, "Man, son, that's a great song, but how do I know you wrote that song?" <laughs> he says, "You could have stole that or bought it off somebody." He says, "I'll tell you what, I'm gonna take your wife Audra across the street and get a cup of coffee, but when I'm gone, I want you to write me a song. You're walking down the street." And you see your old girlfriend. <laughs> so they, they fade around, and you know, and then it comes back, and George Hamilton is sitting in, in uh, Fred Rose's seat with his feet propped up on the <laughs> desk when they come in. He's got that cowboy hat pulled down over his eyes, and uh, Fred Rose says, Okay, boy, sing me that song. And he goes, Today I passed you on the street, and my heart fell at your feet. Oh, man, right then, I knew what I wanted to do. <laughs> I love it. I was hooked. That was it. I was, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't a year later. I was hitchhiking to Nashville. How old were you hitchhiking? I was 26. I was 26 then. I, I had worked. I got married. And, and uh, then I started playing at bars around Detroit. I was playing, like, folk music, three-chord Bob Dylan stuff yeah. and a little Hank Williams. And then one day I was at work, and I just said, you know what? I got to go. I, I punched out. I, my wife had the car. I hitchhiked home, had to crawl in through the bathroom window because she had the car keys. I packed two or three clean shirts and a shoebox full of the worst songs you ever heard, grabbed my guitar and stuck my thumb out. And uh, early the next morning, I was in the bus station in Nashville, Tennessee, waiting for it to get light out. Wow. Wow, we're talking to Don Goodman, incredible man, first of all, hit songwriter. And uh, we're going to dive more into uh, what happens after he arrives at the bus station. You're in the Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. We'll be right back. 
In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. On a prison farm in Georgia, close to the Florida line. I'm Steve Azar. We are with one wonderful, wonderful tunesmith. One of my mentors, Don Goodman. Um, Wow. I just love hearing this, Don. So you arrive at the bus station. You got no money. You got a little bit of money in your pocket. What's going on? I probably had maybe at the most, if I was lucky, 40, 50 bucks. But my my Uncle Horace, my mother's brother, lived in uh, Goodlettsville. So I called my uncle's house, and my Aunt Frances came and got me. Hmm. And uh, I stayed the night at their house. And uh, my cousin Tommy had gone to school with Jack Keys. His daddy was Jimmy Keys. And uh, he owned New Keys Music. And, boy, they were hot. They had Harper Valley PTA. They had Tom T. Hall, Jimmy C. Newman. Those were their writers. Right. So I went in to see Jack. I went, my, my aunt gave me his number. I called him. He made an appointment for me the next day. My aunt let me borrow her car. So I went down there and I sang a couple of songs for Jack. And he says, well, I sang it as kind of like Bob Dylan kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he went, well, Hoss, you ain't country by no stretch. <laughs> and he says, but you know what? There's a new place opening. It's called Quadraphonic Studios and they're going to do more rock. And he says, he looked it up and says, here's the address. So I walked over there. I left my car, Tommy's, and I walked over there. And I knocked on the door, and I knocked and I knocked, and there was no one there. And there were some guys up on the roof putting the roof on. And I, because Jack had called and asked, and I said to talk to Troy Seals. So I asked, you guys know where Troy Seals is? And one of the guys spit out a mouthful of nails and said, I'm Troy. <laughs> I knew it. I knew he'd be up there building. I just yep, love it. Yep. Troy came down. We went upstairs to his office, and we wrote a thing called My Thoughts Go Back to You off of a lyric I had in my bag. Mm-hmm. Joe Simon cut it that night, Steve. Come on. I got on. my first cut the first day in town. What? And, okay, so looking back, Troy's up there working. <laughs> he's sweating. He's doing. He got, he's got his nails in his mouth. How'd you get him to write that quick? I just came down, and, and I, I, I said, you know, I ain't much of a singer, Troy. I says, let me show you a lyric. And he looked at the lyric, and as, uh, he picked up his guitar and just started strumming. He went, I like this. I like this. Wow. He said, it says, uh, around the corner by the ballpark, there's a young man who sells his candied apples. Yeah. They said he could have been a great first baseman, but the wars left him without legs. Wow. But uh, you never once hear him complain. The only time is when it rains and there's no game, no one to buy his apples. Now you come to me with all your troubles, more my sympathy because you're down. Ah, you ought to just be glad this old world's still spinning and you still got one more time around. That is so Don Goodman. I mean, like, you know, nobody, <laughs> you know, it's funny. You sit there and say that you're, you know, Dylan and all this, but you've always had your own way of saying things. And, and, and also, um, there's a, there's an amazing, there's just so much brilliance to it, but but it's for like every everybody to understand. You've always been very your 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 lyrics have always been very comprehensible and very emotional, but but have another they're articulate. You know what I mean? Just different. It's it's funny how you were your mind is built. 
I never think. I just write. You know what I'm saying? I don't sit there and try and make it all just work magically. It just it just pours out. It's like I'm a receiver and the words are coming from heaven or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And then we go back and we tweak and we make it better, you know. But, but boy, a lot of times it's, well, you've been there, you know. It just, it just comes and it's yeah. just right. I don't know why. You've always had this thing in your heart which we, we all do, but man, it's all, I think of Jim McMahon and I think of you when it comes to our veterans. And there you are, your first cut has your character and your first verse is that man right there. Um, I mean, is that, has that always been, you know, where, where do you think that came from, that, that affection for, you know, our military, our veterans that come home, the ones that are injured, like the you know, you know, the ones that have gone through so much, and their lives are changed when they come home, not physically whole anymore. Yeah, I, you know, I I don't know, but there's just always been something when 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 you have the you know the Memorial Day parade and you see the old guy there in his uniform and standing straight as a stick and just the pride and the honor in his eyes. It's, man, how can you not love that guy now? Steve, I've, I've written probably 200 songs now with veterans, with survivors, Gold Star children. Mm. I just wrote a song with an eight-year-old girl whose daddy, she lost her daddy in Iraq. Mm. And and these are the words she and I put together. And it says, uh, Mama pushed me in the swing so high, up to heaven where the angels fly. I want to go where daddies go and never die. Mama pushed me in the swing so high. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I God, and that little girl, I mean, I, Jesus, I had to get up and leave the room yeah. and go walk a little while and come back because I was, it, it was ripping my heart out. Yeah. But it was so real. It was so honest. That's what makes it so cool. Well, you know, the pictures that my grandparents had of, of my grandfathers and my dad and my uncles and all, the, they, the ones that always dwelled on the walls were their military pictures. I mean, it was like a big deal uh, that they served, that they appreciated our country so much that they would, you know. And, and obviously some of them didn't experience war, uh, like the, some ones that you, you know, especially this, this sweet little girl's dad. Uh, but I love this, and I want to talk about an entire segment about this whole thing you're doing with the veterans because I, 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 I spoke to Bob Regan about it, and you guys, I love the fact that you guys are doing a lot of this stuff together. Um, for some reason, I never paired y'all together in my mind all those times, but I'd write with Bob, I'd write with Don, and obviously AJ was the common thread to us all. But uh, I, I, he got so emotionally moved when he started talking about it. And he goes, you got to talk to Don Goodman about it. And which reminded me, hey, Don was one of my best friends in Nashville. What am I doing? <laughs> I got to call my boy. <laughs> we're Don Goodman. We're in a Mississippi minute. Don, let me ask you uh, this. Did you get after your song was cut? Tell me about the deal. Did you get a deal immediately? What was life like for the next couple years? My first deal uh, was with Troy. I made a deal with them there with uh, Danor Music. That was David Briggs and Norbert Putnam. They own Quadraphonic Studios. Wow. And uh, I got uh, $75 a week to be the janitor, hmm. and I got $25 a week to write songs. <laughs> so crazy. I made $100 a week. <laughs> but this was 1971, and, and you know, I, it was tough, but I survived. And then when those, I think it was like 
five months down the road, Conway Twitty and Loretta Lynn cut feelings, wow. and it went number one. Oh, wow. So that was and, the first. Uh, that was the first number one. Yep, yep, and uh, you know it was nominated for Duet of the Year, and oh man, I was so proud. I had all my buddies over to my house, <laughs> <laughs> and Donnie and Marie won it. <laughs> Son of a gun! Like, no way, they're not country. <laughs> no, they're not. Country. Uh, Come on, that's not right. Uh, that right, that ain't right. Well, I love it. So the song, uh, when you when you wrote the song, you know, especially now after all these years and looking back of all the songs you've written, because you've got a lot that of great songs that hadn't been recorded. Looking back at that moment, uh, did did that feel like a hit to you? You know, I thought it was okay. I, I, I to this day, it's not one of the best things I've ever written. But uh, Troy Seals uh, played uh, in a lot of the rock clubs up in Cincinnati. Troy's from Cincinnati. So him and Conway Twitty had shared the stage a few times, so Troy had the door straight to Conway. And and you know who we wrote that with, uh, Feelings? That was me, Troy, and Will Jennings. Oh, wow. And Will Jennings went up to write, on to write uh, Up Where You Belong, mm-hmm. uh, The Heart Will Go On, from yeah. uh, uh, the Titanic. I mean... He wrote Tears in Heaven. <laughs> yeah, you know, we uh, So you had me, Troy, and Will Jennings in under one, one roof, and all of us have had pretty decent careers. So wow. what were the odds of the three of us winding up in one room? You know, oh, that would I would have done anything to be in that room just just to be one of those little flying insects running around, going like, "Wow, that is." crazy but you know as you as you made your way down music row and and as your life progressed and and as a songwriter i mean you were around a lot of amazing amazing cats we both were and uh just amazing to be part of it all right don you mentioned elvis earlier you know mississippi's the birthplace of american music i know you were a tennessee lad and you had detroit and motown as a little upbringing but where i dwell and i know you heard it from me a lot (laughs) Where I dwell, Mississippi is the birthplace of it all. So you get to play DJ. Would you like to hear? I'm going to try to think about this. I actually had Conway Twitty down. So would you want to hear Conway, your first number one man, or Marty Stewart? Oh, oh, man, that ain't even a contest. Conway Twitty, man. Oh, you're making my Mississippi. Buying here with Linda on my mind. Oh, oh that's what we're going to listen to then. That's what we got to listen to. I'm with Don Goodman, my man. He's moving at the pace he wants to move because he always dictated the room. And I'm just always just gracious and just humbled. I'm so humbled to always get to talk to this wonderful man. You're in the Mississippi Minute. We'll keep on going. With Linda on my mind. And next to me, my soon to be the one I left behind. And Lord, it's killing me to see her crying. She knows I'm lying here beside her. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I could tell they were nervous. When they saw me I'm Steve Azar. We are with one hit writing machine. Big old heart and soul. It's all heart and soul. You look in this man's eyes and you go, man, he was born to uh, to live in live on a car radio. His his lyrics and come out 
into uh, into uh, into our driver seats and passenger seats, back seats, back of station wagons, you name it. His words have, uh, man, they've covered an entire an entire Winnebago and a tour bus. Hey, Don, we're Don Goodman. Don, okay, when when does Dixie Road happen? Because, man, what a classic, you know. Uh, Dixie Road. I had uh, I'd, I'd gone independent. I'd been with uh, Screen Gems for a couple of years after I left Troy, and uh, then I, I, you know, it had a good run. I, I'd been I'd been really lucky, and uh, had that uh, the Chicago story. I had the theme song, you know, and Elton John and Kiki D cut that. Wow! And and so then. Uh, Rick Sanchek, your old manager and my yeah. old manager, hooked me up with a girl named Marianne Kennedy. And she was a young Juilliard's graduate who had just hit town. Uh, she was just a baby girl. And uh, I hooked up with her and Pam Rose. And, mm-hmm. boy, they, they were a singing machine. They've sang harmonies on everybody's record in the whole world since then. Mm-hmm. But we got started on Dixie Roads. It just started out just a little guitar riff. What is that? Oh, you got you got a uh, you got a call. Sorry, coming? Steve. That's all right. I had the alarm set on my clock so I'd be sure to be here for you. Okay. We started early. <laughs> How about that? I love it. Okay, so continue on. So you guys had, had what? A little lyric started in Dixie Road? Yeah, but just I, I came in and I had a little bit of the thing, you know, uh, uh, I'd pick and we would sing to the rhythm of the front porch swing. And uh, I came in just kind of singing along with that. And Marianne and Pam just started this little rhythm riff going on the guitars. And boy, when they hit that chorus, it just, oh, God, it just put goosebumps up and down mm-hmm. my spine. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you the greatest story about that song, all right? We'd already had Bring On Our Finger Time On Our Hands. It had, we'd already had it. It'd been a big old hit, nominated for Song of the Year. And uh, Lee Greenwood had his album done. I mean, it was finished. And uh, it was his greatest hits album. And he was walking past Crutchfield's door, his producer. And I had taken Crutch over uh, Pal Rakes and his band. I'd produced Dixie Rhodes on them. And I took it over to Crutchfield to see if I could get him a deal. And Crutch was listening to it, and Greenwood was walking by his door, Hmm. and the song just stopped him in his tracks. And he went back, and he stuck his head, and he says, What is is that, Jerry? Jerry said, "Uh, That's a song Don Goodman brought over. He, He said, Play it again. He played it again. Greenwood says, I want to cut that. I want to cut that. And Jerry says, Lee, your album's done. He says, No. I don't care. Take one of my songs off. I want to cut that. Wow. They cut it that night. It went number one, stayed number one two weeks, and was nominated for Song of the Year. Yeah. But get this. I've thought about this a million times. What would have happened if Lee Greenwood would have got stopped by one more red light? Yeah. You can't. You don't get to choose that. He wouldn't that. have been walking past that door. Yeah, but you don't get to choose that. That was in the plan. And, and, and a, that I, is how... Fickle. <laughs> That's yeah. how fickle yeah. fate is. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely fickle. We're talking to Don Goodman. What a story. Okay, Don. Let's talk about number ones. Your second number one was by 
our very own who used to come in his baseball uniform in my mom's grocery store on Highway 61, Charlie Pride. Um, yeah, buddy. And so how, where is Charlie in his career when you get the number one? Uh, later on in his career. Didn't, uh, you know, he, he wasn't as hot as he was. Troy Seals and uh, I wrote it. And actually, two guys, a police officer and a, another guy, knew, knew Troy from up in uh, uh, Cincinnati, had sent in a song. And it was, it, the idea was okay, but you know how sometimes songs aren't all that great. Right. So Troy Seals and I completely revamped it, gutted it, stripped it, and wrote it from the ground up, used a couple of their lines. And uh, then uh, Troy, once again, Troy was a great song plugger. So he took it and played it for Charlie. And uh, he, he put two, I think he put two, maybe three singles off the album. I, we didn't think they were going to do another one. And then we got the phone call that it was going to be a single. That's oh, the best feeling. Oh, man, <laughs> to have a single on Charlie Pride. I love Charlie's songs, man. man. His music, his, just his style. Yeah, he's a good guy. So, what a good man. I love it. I you know, grew up right down the street, uh, basically. When I say down, down, and when you're in the Delta, I get to say down the street now. So it's uh, just down Sledge, Mississippi, right, I think, right? Sledge. <clears throat> you yeah, almost sure slipped my mind. You almost slipped my mind. Yeah. Your second yep, number one. In four moments, you almost slipped my mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's so you. I mean, you just don't ever forget him. She walked right up to me and took me by the hand. An angel who could please most any man. I mean, you know, geez, yeah. and just picture Charlie Pride saying that. Yeah. Oh, God. With the feeling of having these guys, some of these people that you obviously knew of before you had hits and you heard them on the radio and all of a sudden they're recording your songs. Uh, you've always appreciated... You never took it. You've never taken anything for granted. Any song of yours for granted. That that's not your style. The ones that that you wrote with me, some of the stuff we never never got recorded. You were all in always. But the feeling of hearing your song on the radio from a legend, pretty amazing, right? Oh man, I there. Well, you know, you know. What about the first time you heard? I don't got to be me to Monday, man. Oh, no, First I was, time you heard that on happy. the radio, you had to just be skying. Yeah, it felt good. But I was always I was always a little bit looking ahead. And for some reason, I couldn't enjoy the moment because I knew that there I had to keep going, and because it took so long to get there, I was I didn't enjoy any of it. Any of it, looking back, I really didn't, Don. And so uh, that's what I, that's those are my regrets. I should have been enjoying. Yeah, but you were an artist, Steve. You were an artist, and artists have to artists have to constantly think of where am I as an artist? Yeah. You know, where's that yeah. next record? If I don't have another record, it's in a, this is yeah. it. You know. Yeah. So you had pressure on you. I man, all I had to do was go write another one. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's not that easy. But you, you've always okay. Look, I've been in the room with a lot of songwriters who do it because, man, I'm doing it because I'm a songwriter. But you're. It, this had to be for you. There is no other job in the world. I don't care. You could have been making 75 bucks sweeping the floors. <clears throat> but you were getting $100 a week for writing songs. You just happened to be sweeping the floors is the way I look at it. Because they knew. They didn't let anybody around back then. Sweeping the floors, nailing root, you know, nails. Everybody did things. I mean, it was a different time. And just all the stories that I've been told just... If you were in that building, then you were a part of things, you know? 
And uh, just so, so would Troy be a mentor of yours? Oh, definitely, definitely. I was just a green kid off the street, and you know, Troy was a man. I was a kid, uh, and he, oh God, what Troy sang the songs and he sang the demos. Hell, he was so good, you didn't care if anyone ever got it anyway. He couldn't <laughs> sound no better, you know. And and uh, then we had David Briggs and the and you know the Quadraphonic Band playing our demos. Yeah. Oh man, it yeah. was just amazing. Hey, Steve, you know when I was janitoring. I got to sit in on John Prine, uh, Fogelberg, uh, oh my God, Buffy St. Marie, Neil Young, you know, Chris Christopherson, John Prine, and I used to pass the guitar around over at Sanchez's house. Yeah. And when you talk about David Briggs, who just played on my last record with the Kingsmen, and the movie's out called Something in the Water, and he was funny and all get out, and man, talking about a player. Oh my gosh. I mean, I've never spent all those days in a row with him. I've spent nights in bars and, and gotten to be in his studio, but Don Wild. And then I've interviewed yeah, it took us two two days. I could have gone I could have gone forty two Mississippi minutes with Norbert Putnam, who actually was the one that helped start the DMI, the Delta Music Institute, down at Delta State where I where I graced the uh, the the halls once a month and and uh his his book he put out last year i got to got to spend a couple days interviewing him it was amazing their stories so you were around the right people and and they were around i i you look back and you think of the the guys that were muscle shoals and they they got you they understood you and that that's the compliment right there to me right there yeah i I can remember norbert you know, he was producing everybody. He was producing, hell, he produced uh, Jimmy Buffett, you know? Yeah. He produced uh, Margaritaville. And and so I, 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 Norbert calls me and Nick, come over to my apartment. So I go to Norbert's apartment. I'm sitting with Norbert Putnam on his grand piano's bench, writing with this one of the most gifted musicians I've ever lived. Yeah. How lucky is that? You know what I'm saying? How it's just like I, I, God had His hand on me, man. I, he had to. Oh yeah, you dang right. He still got His hand on you. You got that wonderful lady Longhorn Gale over there, who's put up with you. <laughs> like Gwen's put up with me. That we got our women must be the letters G in the alphabet to put up with a Don Goodman and a Steve Azar. <laughs> I tell you, I'm so humbled to always get to talk to this wonderful man. You're in the Mississippi Minute. We'll keep on going. What's the story behind the sports headlines? Michael Borky breaks it down four days a week on the Borky Show podcast from Super Talk Mississippi. Borky, Borky, free and on demand at supertalk.fm and on your smartphone. Just search for Super Talk anywhere you listen to podcasts. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We are with one wonderful, wonderful tunesmith, one of my mentors, Don Goodman. We want to talk real quick about O-Red because, I mean, Blake Shelton, obviously, through the voice and being seen on a such a global scale all the time is just 
exploded, and he's such a good guy. But his first yep. hit was yours. Where did Old Red come from? That's a great story. Mark Sherrill, my buddy, he had a, a bait shop out uh, on an old Hickory Lake, and uh, he and his father-in-law would open it up, and everybody would come in there and hang around. Farron Young used to come hang out in the mornings. But anyway, uh, Mark started playing that lick. He played that all summer. Every time I walked in that bait shop, he was playing that lick. <laughs> So he went fishing with a guy called Bo Bohan, who was a, a fishing guy. And he told Mark a story about a guy who went to prison and slipped food into this dog, and him and the dog ran off together. <laughs> Mark called me and he says, man, ain't that a great story? And I said, well, no. For one, I've heard it before. And I said, two, there's no love, there's no woman, there's no mystery. I mean, Mark, nobody, that ain't gonna work. So Mark called me up at 2 o'clock in the morning. This is God's truth, Steve. And he plays me a little bit of the lick, and then he sings that first verse, and then he sang a little bit of the chorus, and this is the truth. He said, okay, Goodman, I got him in there. You get him out. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I sat up all night and created that blue tick hound, and uh, I busted him out. Wow, that is so cool. Well, yeah, you busted him out, and you busted Blake <laughs> Shelton out, because that was it, man. That was game on for him. Wow. Oh, man, and now all those dang restaurants and grills, and they're, stick, they're fixing to go to Europe with that. Oh, that's just so And, and, and we get a nice little residual, and, and praise the Lord, you know, when you're 74 years old and the mailbox money starts coming again, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that, that's as cool as it That's giving back, and Blake's giving back, so that's good. <laughs> That's the way it's yep. supposed to go down. All right, so let's get into this, uh, This what you're doing, Operation Song, because after talking to Bob Regan and now and getting to hear it from you, uh, tell, tell our listeners, first of all, what is Operation Song, where the idea came from, and how people can go listen to the songs. You know, just give us, give right. us the... You go to operationsong.org, and if you want to hear my work, a lot of my work, uh, go to Operation Song Chattanooga on Facebook and just okay. listen because that Chattanooga program up there, I built that when I started that one with Steve Dean and we built it into there's uh, like 40 something vets there now on Wednesday. Wow. And uh, they, they, they're kidding us. They say that it's not a music thing, it's a church. And it's pretty well turned into that. But, buddy, when you're sitting across the table from a guy from World War II, who was uh, captured in Austria by the Germans, uh, put in a concentration camp, Stalag 7A, tried to escape, got caught. They chained him naked in the rain in the winter, left him out there three days. And then when the Allies were getting close enough and they heard the, heard the guns getting closer every day, they thought, we're saved, we're saved. And, and the, uh, they marched them a 100-mile death march in the middle of winter, to another concentration camp, and he says he has no idea how long they were there. He was down to a little over 100 pounds when General Patton himself rode a tank right through the front gate. He didn't open it. He drove the tank right through it. Patton climbed out of that tank, stood up on the front of that tank, and reared his shoulders back and says, all you SOBs are free now. And that's the song we wrote, and it's... Steve, I've written with uh, World War II, Korea, 
Afghanistan, Iraq, Vietnam. I've written with their wives, the mothers, the children. Uh, it's just the most incredible thing. It's, I've been given an opportunity to pay back for how blessed you and I have been. You know, those guys who come home from the war, they won't tell their wives and the kids. They don't want them to know what they did. But then they cut with us, and we start playing the guitar, and all of a sudden, I don't know, it's just kind of like it frees them, and it all comes out, and they'll say, I've never told that before. No one, no, I've never been able to tell that before. And and then you have a kid come up to you tonight after you sing his dad's song, and the kid comes up to you and he goes, "Uh, Mr., now I know why my dad cries sometimes. Wow. And, oh, good God, Steve, it just ripped your heart out, man. Yeah, that's what music does. That's what music does. And that's what you've done to us your entire career and also in this Mississippi Minute. Don, I, Don, I can't thank you enough. It's been so great catching up with you. I want to be there and hug you right now and then take you out and get a beating on the golf course. That's what I want. But, no, seriously, <laughs> seriously, pal, thank you. Thank you for uh, spending a Mississippi Minute with me. We've been with the wonderful my man Don Goodman and uh, you've been in a Mississippi Minute it's been a good one I'm Steve Azar in a Mississippi Minute all 60 of them where you can take your sweet time Whether you're a rebel, a bulldog, a golden eagle, or just a sports fan, Super Talk Mississippi has got a podcast for you for you Sports Talk Mississippi, The Rebel Report, Thunder and Lightning, The Super Talk Eagle Hour, and The Borky Show are all now available for you. And it's all free. Free. Get them all on demand at supertalk.fm and on your smartphone. Just search for Super Talk on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.